And oh, is this chapter, ah, what, what more can be said of Romans chapter 9 other than it is the most controversial chapter in the New Testament. And uh, that's not a reason to run away from it. Uh, that's a, a reason to dig into it. Uh, some people have read this chapter and uh, they've become so upset they've actually run away from the faith altogether. <laughs> um, others have read this chapter and um, they go much, much deeper. And that's what, that's what the Lord wants to do with you. We are going to be in it for two or three weeks. Uh, and uh, it's not an easy chapter. And I thank God for that because when things aren't easy... I'm pounding my head, crying out to God, what is this all about? And I, I grow so much closer to the Lord, and that same thing happens with you as, you. as you just say, Lord, what is all this about? I know this is food for my life, for me. We've all been called into a to fellowship with Jesus Christ, and this chapter is an important part of that. Romans chapter 9, verse 1 says, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Note there, by the way, that Jesus is called God there. Everyone get that? We just read it. It says at the end of verse 5, according to the flesh, Christ came who? Who's it talking about? Who? Louder. Who? That's right. Christ came who is over all the eternally blessed God. That's speaking of Jesus. Amen. Verse 6. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would open this up to us. And I just affirm, Lord, what's already been said. Lord, take us deeper. Don't, don't let us be driven away. We've already read at the end of chapter 8, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Neither height nor depth, neither death nor life, Neither angels or principalities nor powers or, or things to come can separate us from your love. Certainly, the word of God will not separate us. Dr bring us deeper, Lord. Let us have a feast on your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. 
No, I neglected to, to also pray to, for the persecuted church. Voice of the Martyrs, today, November 3rd, is the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church. Just a couple weeks ago, I heard a message given by a pastor in Syria, and in Syria, they live every day wondering if they're going to live to the next day. Now, some of you may have read this week that the leader of ISIS was assassinated. Now, that may sound like great news. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I'm not the, ju I'm not the judge, and I respect our government. But the, f the fact of the matter is, when that happens, we live here in comfort, in safety, but the retaliation is to the local Christians. Does everybody, does that, just let that sink in. So, so uh, the retaliation for something like this, when they retaliate for a leader uh, being killed, they go after the local Christians. And so I just want to pray now for that church. Let's, why don't we focus specifically there in the Middle East who now have to bear the brunt of a decision by the United States government. Again, I'm not making a, I'm, I'm not making a judgment uh, uh, of right or wrong. I respect the government. If that's what they uh, need to do, uh, I respect that. But I also am aware that this puts many Christians, local Christians, in great danger. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we add our prayers to the prayers of, uh, of churches all over the world and, 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 and Father, we're just, we're just mindful, but really we're not. We are so comfortable here. We, we have so much comfort. We live in uh, uh, s such a high degree of safety, and, and the prosperity uh, is, uh, it seems like it, it knows no bounds in, in our country. It's, it's inexplicable in many ways, Lord, but, but uh, just as the chapter that we're in today, Lord, you have... Uh, your way. You, you, you are writing history, his story. And, and Father, we are mindful today and, and, and we obey your word, which commands us to pray uh, for those, Lord, who just in the last week, because of the events now, are having family members uh, uh, killed or they themselves are, are, are in danger. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that they would know that you are in control, that they would know that you, Lord God, know exactly what's going on, that you, Lord God, have a plan for their lives and it's, to, it's for uh, you to be glorified. Lord, your, your word says in Psalm 37, uh, verse 35, it says, I have seen the wicked in great power spreading himself like a native green tree, yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. I just pray, Lord God, that uh, even as this same psalm and the previous verse says, wait on the Lord, keep his way, that you would give them the grace to keep your way, Lord that you would give them the grace to keep your way. And, and I pray, Father, that you would give them the grace to love their enemies, Lord. 
so that when the, 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 that when the, the world around them observes they will be drawn to you and they will glorify you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so thank you. Romans. So remember, there were no chapter breaks when this letter was written. And so the end of chapter eight was very much a part of Romans chapter 9. In fact, the end of chapter 8 or the entire chapter 8, the entire book of Romans is a foundation for Romans chapter 9. And remember, we finished last week, verse 35, Paul declares, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities nor power, nor things present nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor anything, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What a promise. A child of God cannot get away from the love of Christ even if he wanted to. Even if she wanted to. The Lord Jesus will chase his blood-bought child. I took on the wrath of God for that woman. I took on the wrath of God for that man. I'm not going to let him get away. I'm not going to let her get away. That is a promise that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now, the Apostle Paul, as he writes that promise, knows that some of them are thinking, those who are reading this letter, the Romans who are getting this letter, some of them are thinking, well, wait a second. If that promise is true, that God is not going to allow separation between him and any of his children, what about Israel? What about the children of Israel, the Jews? It's because Paul knew that, it, uh, it, that although, yes, all of the very first converts to, to Christianity were Jewish, the vast majority of Jews had rejected Jesus. In fact, many of Jesus' parables are about this very thing, about the Jews rejecting him. That they would reject him as savior. In one of the most moving pictures, I think, of the, all the, the, the life of Christ, Jesus, coming into Jerusalem. Soon he will be crucified. He's coming into Jerusalem for the last time um, in his earthly ministry. And Luke chapter 19, verse 41 says, Now as Jesus drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying... 
And this is Jesus speaking to the Jews. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation, meaning you did not recognize the time where God came to uh, meet you in person in the Son of in the, in the person of his son. And, and, and so, so Jesus, weeping, recognizing that the Jews were rejecting him, the apostle Paul himself uh, knew quite well that the Jews were rejecting Jesus. I love the story in chapter 13 of Acts where uh, Paul is uh, coming into a city called Antioch, and it says, on the Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God, but when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy, contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul, and, and then it says, then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, to the Jews, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles, meaning non-Jews. And so, what about Israel, Paul? <laughs> What's this stuff about nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Look what happened to them. Are they not called the children of God? And so in chapter nine, Paul responds to this. And so he begins in verse one addressing this, the problem of the Jews who had rejected Christ. They had perished. They had died in their sin, in their unbelief. He says in verse one, I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ. Many translations say cut off from Christ. For my brethren, speaking of the Jews, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. So again, Paul knows some of those reading this letter are thinking, what about the, what about the Jews? They, they've rejected Christ. They, they died in their rejection. They're in hell. They're separated from God forever. What about them? They are now, some, many of them are now separated from the love of Christ. So Paul begins his response by first sharing with them how devastating it was for him that so many Jews had died rejecting Jesus. In verse three, he says, I wish that I were accursed from Christ for my brethren. And what he's saying is that if I could enter into an agreement with God and go to hell, 
so that my fellow Jews would be saved from hell, I would do it. Hell is a real place. It's oh so real. And it's real because Jesus repeatedly says that it's real and he talks about hell more than heaven. You've probably heard that before. Just You can go figure that out on your own. It's, it's, it's the Bible does say it. But we believe in hell because Jesus talked about it and the word of God talks about it. But I... I want to share with you a story, and I, I, I apologize in advance if it kind of weirds you out, but I don't know. I feel like the Lord wanted me to share it. So when I was 23 years old, I'm 56 now, when I was 23 or 24, I was living an incredibly selfish, destructive lifestyle, and God had very, very little place in my life, and one afternoon, I, after work, I smoked weed with a friend. And after about 15 minutes, I was driving home and something started happening to me. And the only way that I can describe it and, the no, and, and what I know to be true personally Again, I, I trust the, the word of God over my own personal experience, but in this case, the, the personal experience matches directly with the word of God. The only way I can describe what happened is that I was given, and I believe I was given by the grace of God, an experience of hell, being, being accursed, being cut off from Jesus, from God. Again, I wasn't walking with God, but I got this experience. And it was terrifying, and it was tormenting. Cut off from the grace of God. Separated from God and his protecting grace, and being utterly exposed to a tormenting, demonic entity. And I remember having the distinct feeling like God, even though I, I didn't know much at all about the Bible, I, 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 that, that, that God was holding me on by a thread and thinking, if that thread snaps, I'm done. And, 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 and I didn't know <laughs> whether it was going to snap or not. And, and I say it was tormenting because, uh, and, and by the way, this is the time before I, I knew what First Peter chapter 5 says, that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. It was tormenting because there was a demon raging in my presence at me. And... and and when a person walked into the room, I would hear a raging, a roaring, uh, he's mine. He's mine. He's mine. And, and I was completely exposed to some kind of demonic entity. The night was a 
freakish in the extreme. I walked into a, a room where some people were watching TV and they, and they were watching that news show, Hard Copy. Anyone ever seen Hard Copy? It's, it's far, far, far from a religious show. It's, it's as secular as it, as it gets. And there was two segments. I walked in two segments. The first segment was all about how Satan influenced music. This really happened. The second segment was about um, some celebrity somewhere who had complete, who had, who had uh, completely embraced atheism, and, and this was just a freaking mount. So I, I, I just left, and I, it got to the point. I went to bed, and 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 brothers and sisters, I wonder if I had able ever be able to get to, out of that place. When I was young, I was in a string quartet. I played the cello. And the, and, the, and the man who played the viola was about 10 years older than me, was on a permanent, tormenting drug trip because he had taken LSD. And, and I, think, I was thinking to myself, am I gonna be like Johnny Scootmont? Am I gonna be like him for the rest of my life? And I went to bed wondering if I'd ever wake up from this. But in the morning, whatever was happened to me was gone. That was the last time I ever did weed or any other recreational drug, I assure you. And by the way, the word witchcraft in the New Testament, listen to this, take notes if you've never heard this, the word witchcraft, as it is used in the New Testament, we're specifically told in the book of Galatians, do not participate in witchcraft. The word is pharmacia in the Greek, pharmacy, from which we get the word pharmacy. Why is that? Because drugs open you up to the demonic world. If you're smoking weed, and there's some of you in this room, in the last couple of weeks, you have, if you're smoking weed and you think it's okay, because it's legal now. Well, it may be okay with the state of Massachusetts, but it's not okay with God. Uh, but listen, I share the experience, I share the experience because in verse three, and again, I only share this experience because it accords with the word of God. I, I'm, I, I'm tired of, of people's dreams and wild spiritual experience that, are, that contradict the, the, the Bible. I, so only, I don't even like sharing those kind of experiences. I haven't even had many. I have one about every 10 years. Uh, but, 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 uh, uh, but I share it only because it's in accord with the word of God, but I share it because in verse three, Paul says, I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ. Many translations say cut off from Christ. And brothers and sisters, that's what hell is. All the jokes about being a cool thing, being outside the presence of God. Yeah, that's where my friends are. That is a spectacularly misguided statement, that kind of thing. It is a place of unspeakable suffering. Jesus repeatedly referred to hell as the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the fact that the Apostle Paul here is saying if God would exchange, agree to exchange the salvation of his Jewish brethren in exchange for him spending eternity in hell, that he would do that, that's staggering. I 
the thought of someone I love having to live in eternity in a place which was even remotely similar to where I was is an unbearable thought. But for me, it's not unbearable a thought enough. What do I mean by that? Well, verse 2, read verse 2 with me again. It says, Paul had great sorrow and continual grief in his heart because of his brothers and sisters who were perishing. Now, I've gotten a taste of that as the years go by more and more. I have I, I more of a taste of that. I have more of a heart for the lost today than I did when I came to God 30 years ago. But I don't have enough. Pastor Freddie and I are reading the autobiography of Charles Finney, the famous revivalist from the Second Great Awakening in the 1830s. Oh man, is this guy one of my heroes. I just love this guy. I mean, he was a wild, spirit-filled spirit wild, if, there, if that's such a thing, Christian cowboy. And, and, and totally, totally with a life in line with, the, with uh, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. But he, he described a few instances where he and others would be given a picture of the horror of hell waiting for, uh, and they would be praying for certain people, and he and others would just be in agony, writhing in pain. And it, you know, some of the, when I read some of the, of the stories like that, the, the, those things, they tend to circulate and they need to be tested. The test is always, by the way, widespread repentance. And there was. Like, like entire villages and towns and cities. Basically, the sheriff would go out of business. There was no one else to arrest. Remarkable, the second great awakening of the United States, led by Charles Finney and others. But it was the grace of God that they were given a picture, they were given a burden which caused them to agonize for someone they love. I don't believe it was because they had, were more spiritually more mature. I don't believe it's because um, they had gotten to a place of Christian maturity. They, in fact, I'm certain of that. But these experiences in this book, in Finney, align with the Bible where men and women of God cry out to him and pray, Lord, please, please increase my love and agony for my brother or sister who's lost, that my coworker, my child, my grandparents, my uncles, my coworkers again, yeah, my friends, whoever, strangers. The Lord really does answer these prayers. I'm in a different place today than I was 30 years ago, but I want to get to, to, to a much, uh, a, a, a place where I'm, I'm, I'm really so much more burdened. Now listen, I don't think it is a coincidence that God placed you here at this time in this place in this city. 
not a coincidence that you're here today in this city at this time. And, and I believe that God wants to use you. He wants to use our church as well as other churches in the city to bring about a saving work in Boston, in the Boston area. We're, to, we're not just playing Bible study here. We're here to seek the Lord. Lord, I, I, I know you want to be glorified in my life and, 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 and our church. How's it going to happen? Prayer. In the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 18, Paul recounts the time that Jesus sent him out. He, Jesus said to Paul, Jesus said, I now send you to open their eyes. This is when he was sent out to unbelievers. Open the eyes of unbelievers in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so note there, the people in your life who are unbelievers, they're in darkness do not deceive yourself. They may be smiling, they may be stable, they may appear to be stable, but they are under the power of Satan. They are on their way to eternal separation from Jesus Christ, which is not a nice place. It is a place of punishment and suffering that's deserved from a holy God. And, and I believe the Lord sends out every church in the same way that he sends out the Apostle Paul here in, uh, as recounted in Acts 28, including ours, to do this very thing. Through your words and your life, you open the eyes of people in your lives that they would be turned from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. But hear me now, this is not going to happen without a burden. Most of the time, I don't care. That's not okay. And how does the, how does the burden, how does the burden come about? Again, it, it, it's prayer. It's always preceded by prayer. Paul says that he had great sorrow and continual grief. We know from his letter, in fact, the Romans chapter one, he says that without ceasing he was in prayer. And that he had the same burden, not only for Jews, but for non-Jews. Now, I don't think this, again, I don't think this burden comes about in our life because of spiritual maturity, getting to a certain place in your life where you're holy enough Wow, look at that guy, he's so holy because he has a burden for the lost. No, I think it comes through a prayer. Uh, Paul, again, at the very beginning of the book of Romans, um, um, does this. You know, we do this every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. We had a powerful time this morning up in room 526. We're there every Sunday morning. But, but you know, I want to do something different today. Before we continue this message, before we continue this message, I want to pray. And if you're a visitor, this is not something that we normally do. But I just feel compelled to do this. 
right now, that God would give us a great sorrow and longing for the salvation of those that God has put in our lives. Should we not do that? Shouldn't we not pray, yes, Lord, give me the same heart as Paul? It says that they're living in darkness and under the power of Satan. Worse yet, they are on the road to an eternity in torment, torment separated from God. So if you would, and call the worship team up right now, and I would ask you just to stand now. I want you to stand, and I want to pray. I'm going to pray. And so, just get you out of your comfort zone a little. I know we have a lot, a lot of people here with Hispanic blood, including the guy who's talking to you right now, we're kind of used to, to touching people, but this guy from New Hampshire, uh, not as much. Um, I, I want you to just, whether you know him or not, just put your hand on someone beside you, in front of you, behind you, just put your hand on someone. I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask, uh, I'm gonna pray now. First, I'm gonna pray. But I'd like to do that. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord, and first of all, we confess. We confess that um, we don't care, or at least we don't care as much as we should care. You plucked us out of the fiery furnace or the road that led to it, Lord, and we don't care. How about the very people that you put in our lives, at least not the, as much as we should, Lord. We thank you, Lord. So often with our own children. Oh yeah, we care about that. And we bang our head against the wall. Lord, would it be, would it be that we are banging up our head against the wall, crying out to you for whoever it is that you're putting in our life? Whether it's to serve them, to speak to them, to pray for them. Lord, we know what the next chapter of Romans 10 says, that says, how can someone believe unless they do not hear? Give us the timing. But certainly, Lord, give us a burden. Father, you've placed us in this city. we can look around us and, and see a lot of godlessness, meaning not necessarily people doing wicked things, but just living life where you have been carved out of their lives. Would you use us, Lord? Father, I pray that you would purge now any guilt or condemnation or 
or yeah, condemnation just associated with not feeling, not caring as much as we should. But, but Lord, with surrendered hearts, we ask, do it, and do it now. Okay, the worship team is going to start singing at this time. Would you pray for the person you have your hand on? Just pray for them that their burden, that their burden for the lost, the people that God has put in their lives, that the burden would grow strong and even unbearable, that the love for the people that God has put in their lives would, would, would grow strong, strong to the point where their, their mouth, their tongue, which has been locked, will be loosed and loosed and they will share. Go for it. Just pray for them. Pray for each other as the worship team plays.
Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for that we would be looking at people's hearts and lives as you look at them. Lord, your word says that you are kind to the unfaithful, the ungrateful, and the evil. It says that, Lord, in Luke chapter 6. You're kind to the ungrateful and evil. Lord Jesus, you admonish us if we're to be sons of God, we're to do likewise. And Lord, I just pray that this, this, this morning, that kindness, Lord, everyone in here, I suspect, has a person in their life who's ungrateful to them, and many have a person who has been wicked to them. Would you give them your heart, Lord Jesus? Would you give them your eyes? Would you give them your words? The words that you said on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. Would you do that, Lord? Would there be such a supernatural baptism of love? The members of Calvary Chapel in the city and all churches in the city which teach, teach the word of God for their enemies, for our enemies. You took the wrath of God for me, Lord. How can I want your wrath for someone else? Lord, let us that be what our heart embraces, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be, may be seated. So back here in chapter 9, the Apostle Paul is answering the question, if nothing separates the children of God from the love of God, then how do you explain what has happened to the Jews, most of which have rejected God and are perishing in unbelief? Again, in order to answer the question, Paul begins by sharing how terribly grievous it was to him that so many Jews were perishing. But then in verse four, if you could read along with me now, I know this is a, a different order of events, just go back to reading. In verse four, he describes how privileged a people the Jews were. He, he's going to, to get to his answer of why it is true that God always has been faithful to his promise, including the Jews. But first he's gonna describe how privileged a people they were. So beginning in verse four, he lists eight privileges that God had singled them out for, the nation of Israel. Out of all the nations and peoples throughout the world, he, he singled them out for these eight privileges. Verse four, the Israelites. To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, 
of whom are the fathers, and uh, from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is overall the eternally blessed God. Amen. And so here they are for you, right here. The privileges of the Jewish people. So uh, the first listed is uh, adoption. They, they were adopted as a son. The prophet Hosea says, he declared in um, Hosea 11.1, 1, when Israel was a child, this is God speaking, I loved him and out of Egypt I called my son. So God refers to Israel, my son. He gave Israel the glory. Isaiah 46.13, can we get that, Kayo? Isaiah 46.13, Israel, my glory. The glory of God had just been put on them. If we can go back to the uh, chart, the covenants. Now, uh, uh, they had been given the covenants. Now, a covenant is different than a contract. A contract is a two-way agreement. A covenant is a one-way agreement. I agree to do this for you, and you don't have to do anything in return. That's a covenant. So God gave Abraham, who technically is the first Jew, Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, and he told him, expecting nothing in return, asking for nothing in return, he told Abraham, I'll bless you, I'll be a blessing to you and to your descendants and to, through your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He also gave him a covenant of land, regardless of how bad their behavior may be at some point. And oh, on Tuesday night, we've been going through the book of Judges, Wow, is it bad behavior. They were going to get that land. And, and, and so uh, Abraham had many sons that the covenant could have been given to, but it went to the Jews. The next one, uh, the giving of the law. Can you imagine being in a place uh, where the, there's no law? I've been to, my son and I have been to a tribe in the middle of the Amazon where just there's lawlessness. Uh, but we take that for granted. Jews were given the law. The service of God is the next one. Speaking of, they were able to serve God in the temple. Uh, the promises, they were given so many promises, not the least of which Isaiah chapter 53, the promise of a Messiah, a suffering Messiah, Jesus Christ. They were given the fathers. Can you imagine having um, Abraham going to a party and bragging that Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob are your descendants, uh, uh, or your ancestors, rather? And then finally, the lineage to Jesus Christ. That had been given to the Jews, so he lists the Jews and all their privileges, and, and then he says, verse six, he says, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. I pre prefer uh, the tra this translation. Um, Kayo, can we get uh, uh, Romans nut chapter nine, verse six? This is the... Um, English Standard Version, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. So now he's going to get to his answer. God has been faithful to the Jews, even though many of them have, been, ha have, have perished. He says uh, again in verse 6, but it is not that the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, 
those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. In other words, just because someone is Jewish, 100% Jewish in their bloodline, does not mean they're a child of God. And it never meant that. So quickly, I'm not going to be too much longer, just about five more minutes. Turn back to Romans chapter 4. This is explaining what, this is explaining what Romans chapter 9 verse 8 means, what Paul means when he says that the children of the promise are counted as the seed. It is the children of the promise, not the blood that you have running through your vein. It is the children of the promise for which the love of Christ you will never be separated from. That promise is for the children of the promise. So what's the children of the promise? Romans chapter 4 verse 1 says this. Then what then shall we say that Abraham our father has according to the flesh? So right there, take note. Abraham is called your father. It's an important part of this, of what it means to be a child of the promise. You all are children of the promise. It's important you understand what that means. It's because Abraham is your father. Let's, let's, let's read on. It explains what that means. For if Abraham was justified by works or by doing good things, he had something to boast about, but not before God. And here's the key verse, verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Meaning Abraham became good enough to go to heaven. The requirement for heaven is perfection. Not because he had done anything good, but simply because he was a child of promise. He was someone who believed God. When God came to him and said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to save you. You and your descendants. It says, and I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you the land of this physical land of Israel. It says, Abraham believed. And it was accounted to him. It was credited to him as perfection, which we know is the perfection of Jesus Christ. Then go to, over to verse 16 of Romans chapter 4. It says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. There's that word seed, which means a descendant of the promise not only to those who are of the law, speaking of the Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Abraham's your father because you placed your faith in what the living God has done for you, just as Abraham did as well. So, In a nutshell, can we get the, the chart back up here? 
what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 9. He is saying that a Jew, though they were, they had all these privileges, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, the fathers, and, and even uh, the, their descendant would be Jesus Christ. That did not make them in God's eyes, a a completed Jew, meaning a child of the promise. And so an easier way to think of this, just because you grew up in a Christian family, just because you grew up going to church every week, just because you were taught the word of God, just because you had parents who loved Jesus in the Bible, just because you grew up singing in the choir, going to summer camps um, at night, watching Christian movies, reading Christian books, that does not mean you're a Christian. That doesn't mean you're a child of God. Any more than Keith Green famously said, being in a McDonald's makes you a hamburger. They're both absurd from a biblical standpoint. Being a Christian means like Abraham did, having faith in God's covenant of love, meaning that Jesus Christ lived for you, died for you, and rose from the dead for you, and placing your life, your faith, into his hands, and saying, yes, Jesus, I'm ready. Come in and be king, Lord. Come into my life. The Bible says that when you do that, God credits you with the righteousness, the goodness, the purity of Jesus Christ. But listen, in the same way, just because you did not grow up in a Christian family, just because you did not grow up going to church every week, just because you grew up knowing nothing of the word of God, your parent didn't love Jesus, they cursed Jesus, or worse, they pretended like he didn't even exist. Just because you did not grow up singing in a church choir, going to Christian camps at night, watching uh, uh, Christian movies, reading Christian books, no, you, your life was, you grew up in a sewer, not the church. In terms of what you did, that doesn't mean for a red second that you're not a children of the promise. Are you getting it? Doesn't, it, it, it's, it's completely irrelevant whether you grew up in church with all the privileges or whether you were living far away, you were in a, just a crazy, mad, insane environment growing up. The children of the promise, the children of the promise is simply having faith like Abraham. Abraham's called the father of us all that Jesus lived for you, died for you, and he rose again from the dead for you. So I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up. We're not gonna pray uh, today, but we're, uh, we're not gonna have the, the, a closing um, time of prayer with prayer partners, that type of thing, because we've already prayed, but... Um, why don't, we just, um, why don't we just worship the Lord now with the worship team? All this to say, when we read 
a promise in Romans chapter 8 that it is that what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Paul is saying we can rest assured that God will be faithful to that promise. God is always faithful to his promises. The question is, are you a child of God? That's the question. And so, um, I tell you what, I'm just going to be up here by, by myself up here. If there is anyone in here, you can rise for the closing worship song. If there's anyone in here, you have never in your life come to the place You may have grown up in church, been taught, been taught by godly parents. They were a great example of love for God. But you have never surrendered yourself to the Lord and said, I give up living for myself. You're my Savior, Jesus. Come in. You've never done that. Or you didn't grow up in church. You grew up in the sewer. <laughs> and you get muck all over you. But you have never in your life said, yes, Lord, come into my life, or you're somewhere in between the sewer and, the, and, and, and growing up at church. But you've just never done that. You've never made that commitment. Come on up. as we're. It's a prayer of faith that I can lead you through to do that. Come on up as we close in worship. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. Complete now the work that you have started, Lord. As we seek you and we praise you and worship in Jesus' name.